Good morning. How are we all doing? Pretty good? Good. Um, Phil and Jamie send their love. Um, if you are unaware, they are in Indonesia for the next two weeks. They are preaching, they are crusading, they are going into the mountains and witnessing, and they are running a pastor's conference for um, a whole lot of pastors. So um, they had a bit of a, a rocky start to their time away. Phil left his wallet on the bus in Kuala Lumpur, got to the hotel and realised that he had nothing with him. So a bit of a panic, got the prayer team working, we were onto it, and the bus driver found the wallet, they got it back, all the money, everything's still intact. So that was like, yes. They did have a nine kilometre walk back to the hotel, but it's time to, you know, lots of time to reflect and praise God. Um, but to me, it just goes to show that, you know, this trip is going to be pretty significant if on the very first day things are sort of going a little bit haywire. So if you could keep them in your prayers, um, they are in a place called Medan this morning. Phil's going to be taking church there. So it's, um, it's exciting times. But there's still lots going on here as well. So we are going to get into it this morning as well. Who has one of these? Yeah? Who loves it? Honestly, I love my Bible. And I think the more I learn about my Bible and the more I read it, the more I absolutely love it. And I think for me, the things I love most about my Bible is the, the gruesome and the obscure stories. You know those ones, like especially in the Old Testament, those ones that are just gruesome. I love them. And I also love the weird array of people that God uses in his plan. You know, what I love about God is that he actually doesn't need any of us to work out his plan. I mean, he's God. He can do it all. But he chooses to partner with us. And he chooses to partner with some really weird people. This morning, my message is about using what's in your hand. But more to the point, using what God has put in your hand. Now, I know some of you will probably sit there and go, well, I don't really have anything in my hand. I'm just me and I can't really do anything. I'm hoping I'm going to challenge you on the fact this morning. I'm hoping that by the end of this morning, you will walk out of here knowing that God has placed something in your hand that he can use for his kingdom. God has placed weapons and tools in your hands so powerful that they can change the course of history, so powerful that they can change one person's destiny. What God has placed in your hand has the power to transform a whole community. And God has placed it in your hands. Not my hands or the person down the road. He's placed it in your hands. But before I get into the Bible, I would like to share a word with you that God gave me a few weeks ago. I've been pondering this for a while, and it's, it's something that's been on my heart. And um, 
I was sort of struggling with putting my message together and Phil said, well, ask God. What, what does God have to say? And I was like, oh, that's, that's a good point. So I did. I asked God. And this is what God said to me. God says that we are to raise up an army of warriors who will change and impact our community. But to do that, we must take our eyes off the natural and allow Jesus to turn what we have into enough. God says, I am raising an army like Te Aumudu has never seen before. It will not look like you think it will. Your weapons will come when your faith is activated. Stop waiting. Stop waiting for one day because we are in a season where today is that one day. Stop waiting for God to show up. Stop waiting for him to increase your finances or waiting till you have enough time. The time is now. God says, I am here. I have shown up. And actually, I've waited long enough. Now you all need to do your part. This is a season I've called you to be salt and light in your community. Your community where people are dying and going to hell because they do not know me. My heart is breaking for Te Aumutu and the unsaved souls. Your weapons will be so great that the enemy will be blindsided as you come together and you cause a revolution, first in the spiritual realm and then in the natural. Stop sitting. Get up and go. Go. Go and make disciples of men. Show your community what hope looks like. Show them what unity looks like. But most of all, show them how much I love them and that I have a plan and I have a purpose for their life. Use what I've given you to speak love and hope to your community. Use your voice. Use your resources. Use your hands. Activate the dreams I've placed in your heart. Get up and go. Yeah. That's what God says. That's, that's not me. That's God. So this morning, we're going to be reading from the book of Judges. Hands up if you love the book of Judges. I love it. I love it. I think I love the book of Judges so much because there are so many crazy people in the book of Judges. There are so many nutters that God uses for his plan. And the things that he puts in their hands, it's just awesome. Like in, the, in, in Judges 3, where Shamgar kills 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Like you'd think you'd kill most people with a sword. He uses an ox goad. And if you don't know what an ox goad is, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a cattle prod. It's a really, really long stick with like a hook that they use to keep their oxen in line. And Shamgar takes it and he kills 600 Philistines with it. I know. I love that. Or what about Judges 15.4, where Samson catches 300 foxes? And I mean, that in itself is kind of weird why you'd go and collect 300 foxes. But what he does is he gets the foxes and he puts them in pairs and he ties their tails together and he puts a torch in it and he lights it and sends them off. I, he's so weird. I love it. Or... What about in Judges 15, 15, where Gideon 
takes the fresh jawbone of a donkey and he strikes down a thousand men with a jawbone. I think that's kind of cool. I've, um, I've talked about this before, but I think it has to be my very, very favourite verse in the whole Bible, is when Ehud goes to King Eglon and he gets his little dagger and he stabs it into the king's belly. And the king is so fat that it just, the sword just gets enveloped. It, you know that story, right? It's kind of cool. I, yeah, I, I even had illustrations for that one. But it's, but it's an awesome story of using what is in your hand. But they are not the stories we're going to look at this morning. This morning we're going to be reading from Judges 4. Now, a lot of us know Judges 4 because of Deborah. She was a prophetess and she was a pretty gutsy woman. She was pretty fierce. And although Judges 4 starts with Deborah, it finishes with an equally awesome gutsy woman who is another one of my favourites. Jael is... Is a, is a woman that God used in a very, very powerful way. And I love that she used what she had with what God had placed in her hands. And I think she's one of my absolute girl crushes. Like, I absolutely love her. I was talking to Gracie about her the other day, and I said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to high-five JL. And Grace was like, Mum, I don't know that they high-five in heaven. And I'm like, I'm sure they do, because I'm going to get there, and I'm just going to... Yes, girl. Yeah, if they don't know, I'll teach them. But I'm going to high-five her because I just think she is fantastic. But before we get into her story, I want to set the scene a little bit so that you know what we're looking at this morning. So before Judges 4, Israel is in a mess. Everywhere you look, people are sad and they're depressed. They have been under the rule of King Jabin for 20 years. And he was not a nice king. Sisera, the head of Jabin's army, had taken away all the weapons of God's people, which were the Israelites. What was once a fun, family-orientated community had been reduced to survival and sorrow. Deborah is leading the nation of God's people, and God gives her this really insane plan to take Israel's tiny, weaponless army to go against war with Sisera and his gigantic weapon-filled army. Not really a great plan when you look at it in the natural. But it was a pretty gutsy move. Meanwhile, while all of this is going on, there's Jael. Now, she's a Kenite, so she's not even an Israelite, but she has a great respect for God's people. She's an ordinary housewife, and most likely spends her days cooking, cleaning, and caring for her children. However, things in her community are getting pretty bad. Food is scarce, and it's unsafe for her kids to play outside. Although Sisera and his army aren't directly attacking her people, her community and her children are being affected. They were living in dangerous times. 
She notices that war has officially broken out between Jabin's army and little old Israel. She must be wondering what on earth they were thinking, whether they were just headed into a suicide mission. And she must have been thinking, well, there's nothing I can do about it. But just when it looks like there is no hope, there is a plot twist. Thank you. Love plot twists. In the midst of the battle, who of all people should run towards Jael's tent? Sisera, yes. Sisera himself, the head of the army, heads to her tent. And in four verses, a nation's fate and history changes. Watch this. We're going to be reading from Judges 4. Okay, you've got your Bible, Judges 4. Put on my glasses because I'm blind. Okay, verse 18. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she put a covering over him. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, And covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Come on. Is that an awesome chick or what? No, seriously. I love her. In one maneuver, she completely disarms the enemy of God's people and she becomes a catalyst for their freedom and their deliverance. With their leader dead and no one to direct the battle, God's people win the war and their freedom. I, um, yeah, I was going to say it's probably not really a story for the zone, but then I found this colouring page online. How cute does she look? Like, she's like, yeah, I'm going to kill you. So, yeah, maybe bedtime story tonight. I don't know, but she looks so happy. I'm sure in real life she looked a bit more fierce than that, but anyway. But with their leader dead and no one to direct the battle, God's people win the war and the freedom. And it's all because a woman using what she had in her hand took action. A simple tool that she'd probably been using the whole of her adult life. So this morning I'd like to look at three lessons that we can learn from JL. The first is that she took action and she stepped into her calling. Jael is the one God used to deliver the final blow and secure victory for God's oppressed. Deborah prophesied it before it happened back in Judges 4.9. And a lot of people thought that Deborah was talking about herself, but she was actually prophesying over Jael, a housewife who she had never even met. Which means this, 
By doing what she did, Jael was fulfilling the prophetic calling on her life. It had already been prophesied. It already had been spoken over her. But here's the thing. It took action on her behalf. When she stepped up to the plate and faced the enemy head on, get it? Okay, maybe it's just me. When she faced the enemy head on, she was prepared with what was already in her hand. She didn't look to anyone else and she didn't complain about what she didn't have, but she took action and she used what was in her hand. We have to step into the calling of God on our lives. You know, there is already a prophetic calling and a destiny that is over us as a church and each one of us individually. But it takes us to make an active and sometimes risky and sometimes sacrificial step into the unknown. We have to get our brave on. We have to get a strategy and we have to get moving. Not only did she step into her calling, but my second point is this. She conquered in her calling. She knew what she was called to do and she did it. She didn't get caught up in a battle that she couldn't function in or wasn't hers to fight. She strategized and fought with what her circumstances, timing, and possessions allowed. And I think that's one of the keys for us this morning, and I don't want you to miss it. What she did is she fought with what her circumstances, her timing, and her possessions allowed. God did not ask her to do anything beyond her means. If she had tried to fight as a soldier, which she wasn't called to be, she would have stepped into a dangerous realm that she was not equipped for. She would have been untrained and unprepared and wielding weapons that she didn't know how to use. She used what she knew, which brought the power to use her weapon well. God used a housewife and her utensils to defeat an entire army. Don't try and be anyone that you're not. You need to be authentically you. You need to discover the spiritual giftings and the passion that God has built into you. Don't try and bring victory to the kingdom through someone else's gift. Bring victory to the kingdom through where he's called you and with what he's given you. When we compare or compete with the calling on others' lives, we attempt to bring the victory of God in an area we are neither trained in or specifically gifted in. What you are gifted and anointed in may not look like it would accomplish a lot for the kingdom. But then again, who would have thought that the victory of Israel would come at the hands of a housewife? The idea that the ultimate victory was not credited to the fighting troops but to a woman in her home, is actually quite comical. Yet if you flip to chapter 5 in Judges, you'll see that Jael receives all the honour, and they even sing a song about her. She used what she had. My favourite part of the story, apart from the fact that she's really gutsy and drove a tent peg through his head, is that she destroys the enemy with a couple of simple household items, a tent peg and a hammer. 
You know, these things were totally common and they would have been lying around in those tent-dwelling sort of days. As a woman who managed her household, these items would have felt familiar in her hands and she knew how to wield them. Because men at the time often had multiple wives, each wife had their own tent where their children and themselves lived and it was up to them to pitch their tent when they moved and it was up to them to maintain their tent. And so Jael would have been used to wielding a hammer and a tent peg. But the point here is to never, ever underestimate what God has placed in your hands. You know, as we heard earlier, God is a fan of using obscure, unpopular and unexpected things to win victory for his kingdom. Whether it's a jawbone, an ox goad, foxes or a tent peg, God can and he will use what you have in your hands at the time. So I wonder for you this morning, what unexpected weapons, tools and gifts have you got lying around? What things are unutilized because you've simply overlooked them as mundane or ordinary? Look around your tent. Look around your own life and find your weapons and tools. Discover your gifts. Pick up your passions. Use what you have. Because you, little old you sitting here and little old TA this morning, has the power to change history. You can have a mighty impact on who will be in heaven because of the tools that God has placed in your hands, the unexpected things that he's placed in your hands that you have maybe overlooked as being normal or mundane. If I could get my lovely assistant to help me, please. So, God gives us tools, right? Right? Yes, we're getting aiming for that. So, God gives us tools, but the enemy also has tools. And so this morning, I just wanted to highlight a couple of tools that the enemy will use to try and distract you from what God has called you to do with what he's placed in your hands. So, this is God's bag. We'll put that up there for now. And this is the enemy's bag. And I know the enemy's bag looks bigger, but it's not. This bag here is kind of like um, Mary Poppins' bag. So like you can just keep, you know. This one, when it's empty, it's empty. Okay, so we'll start with these tools. So one of the tools that the enemy uses is the tool of comfort. Because if he can get you comfortable, we know that nothing is going to change. And then what he'll do is he'll sit you down in the chair of apathy. And with your dressing gown on, oh, I could be here for a very, very long time. But wait. <clears throat> My blanket of lies. Be- 
Because even though it's a little bit scratchy, I've had some of these lies since I was six years old. And it's my comfort place. And I'll just wrap myself up in the lies that I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy or God could never use me or just useless. Oh, the comfort. Oh, the chippies of self. Oh, I love the chippies of self because it's all about me. It's all about me. It's about my comfort and what feels good. And isn't there someone that says, if it feels good, do it? Is that right? Oh, the chippies of self. I may never move. But these chips are making me a bit salty. So I've got my drink. Lemon, lime, and bitterness. But it is okay because I've got my environmental straw, so I'm not killing the dolphins. Oh, bitterness. I remember that time when I had a baby and someone brought seven meals round and I actually wanted eight. All that time that person didn't visit me. And they should have because it's about me. All that time that person didn't ring me. All that time no one liked my post on Facebook. Oh. I quite like this one. This is my book of excuses and justifications. Yeah, I, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, can't make it this morning, sorry. In fact, I'm so comfy. I don't think I'm going to make it to church this morning. Kids, kids, we're not going to go to church this morning, but we're going to have church at home. Okay, we're going to do church as a family, but if you could keep quiet, because I've only got six hours to go on my documentary on Netflix about the migration of the blue whales, so if you could keep it down, oh, my divisive distraction, this is a good one, this is a good one. Because if I'm on here, I can't really see what else is going on. Oh, these chippies of self. I love it that it's all about me. I'm getting a bit distracted, sorry. Mm. These are going to look good on me. The sunglasses of ignorance. What do you mean there's people out there? Oh, I can't see anyone. Not my drinks. And anyway, why should I help them? Because no one even helped me. 
Oh, this is good. Life, life is good, really. Hmm. Sideline binoculars. Hey, I see what you're doing over there. Awesome. What, there's a meeting on Tuesday? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm busy. But you're doing a good job over there. Let me just sit here and I'll be good. What, wait, meeting on Wednesday? Oh, sorry, there's, there's this thing that I need to do and I was out last week and you know, the kids are just, and it's just, yeah. But I'm cheering you on. I can see you from over here. Yes. Wait, what? You want finances? Oh, I'm sorry. I went to Kmart last week and bought 180 things I didn't need. It's, it's a little bit tight this week. Oh, yes. I know because if it feels good, do it, right? But I can see what you're doing and I love it. So go you. Okay. So... These are just a couple of tools oh, yeah. that the enemy will use to try and tell you that you're not good enough or you're not worthy enough or that really you can't do what God's called you to do. But over here, over here, we have this awesome bag of goodies. Now, I was going to put a thousand and one things in this bag, and I keep getting really carried away, so I've limited it. But in this bag, we have a pair of booties, and this pair of booties shows women in our town that they are loved, and that they valued, and that they matter. Tiny, tiny little thing, but who would have thought? What else is in here? So much. This. This is a little crochet hook. And um, I admire a woman that can use it because it's not as easy as it looks. This thing is dangerous. But this little crochet hook can be used to show kids and older people in our community that we care if they're cold during the winter. And we will knit and crochet 180 beanies that we can take to a school to make sure that kids are not going to be cold over winter. This little thing's quite handy. Did you know that you can turn this into five pairs of undies that Stu can take to Indonesia and give to kids that don't have underwear? It's pretty powerful. Oh, I love this one. This. Come on. This little Christmas decoration will remind you that there's 71 sleeps till Christmas. But more than that, it is a reminder that we can impact our community by loving on them. It shows you that we can open up our church doors in a really non-threatening way. 
and we can have a pop-up Christmas tree forest and we can give the kids crafts and we can make sausages and we can love on our community. It's quite impacting this little decoration. I had to put this in a container because it was so little. This is a coffee bean. (laughs) Apparently, I, I don't know, but apparently the power of this coffee bean is phenomenal. Apparently, if you grind it up and you put it in two cups and you sit across from someone and you have a conversation over a coffee, it can be life-impacting. Coffee bean. And if that's not your flavor, then this. This. You can sit with someone and you can have a drink, and if you add fries, then it's just going to be even better. But you can change someone's life by having a cup of coffee with them or a drink and sharing about your life. There's one in here I'm looking for, but it's so little I can't find it. Oh, this is a good one. Anyone know what this is? It's a pen, everyone know how to use it? With this pen, you have the power to write your name. Everyone knows how to spell their name? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, if you can write your name, you can write it on one of our sign-up volunteer sheets. Simple. It's in your hand. We have got so many things coming up in the next little while that you can take this simple tool and you can write your name and you can change a community. This one. No, it's not for the children. Although, no, I'm kidding. This is, this is, this is not a tool that I use often. You could make suit with it, but you can use this tool to impact lives. You can cook meals for families that are in desperate need. You can cook meals for young mums that are struggling. You can turn up to someone's house and surprise them with baking. This here is a pretty powerful tool. What about this one? Simple ball. Do you know how many kids in our community don't know how to throw and catch a ball? They've got really strong thumbs, but they have no idea You could take this ball and you could throw it around the park with an eight-year-old boy. You could change his life with a tennis ball. Honestly, this is a bag of never-ending tricks. This is a spanner. Yes, it's a spanner. Did you know with this, I think you can fix a car with this. You can fix parts of a car, right? Thank you, guys. You can fix a car with this. You can impact a community by offering to to fix someone's car. And then when they bring their car in to get fixed, you can fill it with groceries and presents for their kids at Christmas. Like, this is a really, really powerful tool. Okay, I'm going to have to hurry along because I've got so many. This is, this is a bit funny, this is my representation of a gym. (laughs) Not, you know, that gym, not a gym, okay? So 
we had a, a local missions meeting the other night, and somebody put on their form that, you know, they asked where you can help, and they said, oh, anywhere where there's muscle needed. And I kind of giggled and thought, oh, that's really cute. But then I thought, you know what? We need people with muscles because I can't shift these pews in here. I can't lift barbecues off trailers. I can't do the muscle things that are needed. So you know what? If you go to the gym, that is an awesome, awesome tool that God can use. These. I was going to get hearing aids, but I couldn't find any. I don't have any yet. Um, but these. These are really amazing because with these, you can hear things. If you take these and this, so if you take your time and you give it to someone to listen to them, huge, huge. Things that you have in your hands. A diary. Because we're all busy, right? Like, I know that. Life, life is busy. But this is a really cool tool because you can actually open it up and you can write things in there. With the pen, you can write dates in there that are coming up so you can block out time to do what God is asking you to do. Kind of cool, really. This. I do know what this is. This is a cleaning cloth. And you might think, really? How is that going to impact the kingdom of God? But if somebody is sick or, or can't help themselves, or we've got a massive event at church and we need people to use this, it's a really, really powerful tool. This, paint. Maybe you're crafty, maybe you're arty, maybe you think, oh, I'll just do it in my spare time. Do you know how many kids in our community don't get the chance to get crafty these days? It's a really powerful tool. Or maybe you know how to do makeup or skincare, or you've just got a, 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 you know, a love of, of everything girly. There are girls in our community that need to know what it's like to be beautiful on the inside. Yes, let's teach them how to look after their skin and stuff, but they need to know that they value, and that they matter. I've actually got a whole lot more things in here, but we're going to run out of time. This. This little coin, like you dropped into the bucket this morning, can impact a whole community. It can show a community that we actually care about them and that we want to put on a fun event for them and give them free rides and free sausages and, and just love on them. You know, we don't need to Bible bash them. We just need to love them till they ask why. This is a really good one because it's, it's lip balm. And what it does is it moistens up your lips, which means that you can speak. You can use the words that is in you to speak. We can all speak in here, right? Yes, but with this, it's really handy to have this as well, because when we speak this into people's lives, you cannot tell me that they're not going to be changed.
This one here, this broken heart, is what God has used most in my life. When I first became a Christian, I didn't have a lot in my hands. In fact, I felt like I had nothing. The only thing I did have was a broken heart and my own shattered life. I started with my hands held open with what little I had, and I said to God, please use me. I know it's not very much, and I know it's fractured, and I know, know, know that it's far from perfect, but please, God, use me in in some kind of way. For me, this is the greatest weapon that God has given me. And it's really funny because the enemy thought that this was in his toolkit, but it wasn't. It may have been, but God took it and put it in his armor for me. This is the tool that has shaped my life the most. It is, it is because of this broken heart that I'm standing here in TA. It is the tool that has turned my heartache into a ministry where I get to speak into the lives of young girls. It is with this that we have just formed our first local missions team. And I can tell you, we have some amazing, amazing, amazing things coming up. But we're going to need you and the tools that God has given you. It is because of this broken heart that we're going into schools next year and we're teaching girls about their self-worth and their identity. It is this tool that has got me motivated enough to get a team together. And in January of next year, we're giving out 250 backpacks filled with a whole lot of stuff that kids are going to need for school. And we're going to hand them out to kids in our community who are in need. All of these things, not because I'm special, but because I held my hands open and I said to God, this is all I have. Please take it. Please use what little I have. So as we finish up today, you know, it's all really well and good to sit here and and listen, but my question for you is, now what? You know, God has called every single one of us with the tools and weapons he's placed in our hands, so we can't just sit here and go, yeah, yeah, good word, That's, that's awesome for that person over on the other side of church. You know, we can't pick up our sideline binoculars and say, you go, that's, that's awesome, I'm going to cheer you on for my seat of apathy and my comfort dressing gown. God is calling every single one of us to action. Miracles can literally happen when we give God control over all of our life. To be really honest, this time last year, I did not have a heart for the lost. I had my sunglasses of ignorance on and my sideline binoculars, and I was happy to sit under my comfy blanket of lies, thinking that it was everyone else's job, and I wasn't really called to do that. But God has opened my eyes, and he's opened my heart, and now I just cannot sit back as people are walking towards hell. And I'm sorry, but that is the cold, hard truth. There is a town full of people headed to hell, and you... 
and I, we actually have the power to stop that. You know, don't tell me that it's up to someone else when God has equipped you with all that you need to change someone's destiny. If I can get Ash and the band up, or just the band. This morning, it's about using what's in your hand, no matter how small you think that it is. Whether it's a small coin, a small pair of booties, a small coffee bean, all these things can make a difference in someone's world. There has to be a point in your life when you step out of the shadows, when you get out of your comfy dressing gown and you throw off the blanket of lies and you say, here I am, God. My hands are open, use me. Not just for my sake, but for the sake of our community. You know, I cannot do what God has called you to do. God has not placed in my hands what he has placed in your hands. I cannot impact our community like God has called you to. There comes a point where each one of us has to say, God, here I am. I'm fractured and I'm broken, but I'm willing. If I get everyone to stand, please. if you are comfortable or actually you know what even if you're not comfortable I'd love for you to open up your hands close your eyes open up your hands and we say dear God I am fractured and I am broken and I I feel so unworthy God, I've listened to those lies playing around in my head for so long that I sometimes wonder if I can have an impact at all. And God would say to you this morning, I have called you, I have equipped you, I have placed in your hands everything you need for this next season. And if you're standing here and you you don't know what's in your hands, ask God, say, God, what is it? that you have placed in my hands for our community. God, what is it that you have equipped me with? God, can I speak to people? Can I lead people? Can I, can I bake? Can I fix things? Can I throw a ball with a young kid? People, there is nothing, nothing insignificant about what God has placed in your hands. All he's wanting you to do is say, here I am. I'm willing. God, please use me.